I'm Nicole Tamron. I'm a watercolor artist and introvert who ironically loves to talk shop. One thing I know is that no matter where we are in our creative journeys, we all have something to teach as well as room to learn because there's no one singular path when it comes to doing art. And hearing the stories of others are truly what allow us to get out there and tell our own. Join me as I reconnect with industry friends for real talk about art, business, and all the life that happens in between. So I would say I am a person that is definitely financially motivated. And I always kind of wonder about myself because how the heck did I get into this whole licensing thing? Because I think, well, let's be fair. We have heard lots of stories. So it's passive. It's like income while you sleep and huge big bucks. But what's really interesting about all of that is, I don't wanna say that it is not true, but I'm sort of like an odds person too. And there's fewer stories of, I made a thing and I put it on Instagram and I made a million dollars. Like it's just, it, I don't wanna discount anything. Anything's possible. But because I'm that sort of like, well, what's the practical? application of this. Um, I really had to kind of get into the nitty gritty pretty early as I was exploring licensing. And what you will find if you have researched licensing for any amount of time, and if you've been in licensing for a while, sometimes this gets us too, is it really does just take so long to have income come from the day-to-day work that you do uh, in terms of building something larger. And it's one of the reasons that I really, as much as I, I, again, I'm that motivated person by, you know, the amount of money that projects take. In fact, I think that was really hard for me when I was thinking about pricing projects originally. Like I almost would like burn it all to the ground and say, I'd rather work for free than to be paid this small amount of money. Like it's almost so insulting. I can't handle it. (laughs) So it's, and mentally it's easier for me to to say, I'd rather just do it for free. Or in this case, like, I don't know, maybe I'm a gambler. I'd rather do it for free for the possibility of having my time be well compensated. And I think it's why I learned really, really early that the motivation to earn a licensing income it, it can't be income. It, it actually can't be that. And it's not to say that that won't tie in at some point, because I, I, I 100% believe that income can come from licensing and the, the effort we put in today absolutely can have payoffs in the future. But I think because that road has such a long runway on it, you can't go into it kind of questioning like, well, when is the sample going to ship? And when is it going to be in stores? And you get a contract and you're immediately thinking about the paycheck that's going to come from that contract. And it buckle up, it's, it's going to be a while, it's going to be a while. And I think what has really been an interesting side door for me has been, because I'm a person that gets a little bit stressed about finances. And, you know, when I picked illustration as a field, it's because I don't create art for myself and my my kind of self-expression. I, I really truly believe it is a, it was an income generator. I was looking at it as a career. I was looking at it as a job. And because of all those things, 
yeah, I guess part of that is I'm hoping that my time will be compensated with money. I know, shocking, right? But when you get into the licensing arena, oh gosh, it just, it's really, it's just, there's, you want to know that there's, there is math involved, of course, but it's just, there's no direct correlation to the projects that are going to earn money versus the projects that end up not earning money. And I think because I, again, I'm that person that gets a little bit stressed by finances. The very interesting thing that has happened to me over the years is I've started to completely detach the the kind of my motivation for working from that paycheck. And I will say that in the beginning, I think that's kind of hard to do, but I'm sort of grateful for it on this end because I don't have to question so often how much time I'm putting into something or not putting into something. It doesn't actually affect the value. And I think this is where it goes down to my motivation really tends to come from the visual problem solving of the work that just happens to fall within this licensing category. And whether that was something I kind of knew right off the bat or if I've just like learned to appreciate it, when I was starting, I didn't have any projects. I didn't have any clients and I didn't really know why I was making the art. And so that was harder for me. That was harder for me to just create in a vacuum. I mean, I had sort of a on the customer base in mind, kinda, or I knew I wanted to have my art appear on products, but honestly, I don't, even today, I don't really know where I can picture my art going, but I've learned the holes to fill, like the little pockets of, I'm very formulaic, so I will learn which things I need to hit to appeal to a variety of products. And so, like I said, that's that's that visual problem. So I, I set out to achieve that problem solve with every collection that I make. And what's really cool in a, in a strange way, it's kind of like, it almost gets too frustrating if you try to equate money to the time you spend. So I've just been able to detach. But one sort of drawback to that is there almost doesn't feel like there's an appropriate time to be excited. Like you kind of lose the small wins in a weird way. Because when I started, it was so cool to find a manufacturer. Like if you could even find a manufacturer and someone to contact and an email address or a phone number or even a website, you just think, oh my gosh, I just, this is amazing. And you get that little dopamine hit and you're off and running. And, you know, then it became when you actually would talk to a manufacturer. When I started doing trade shows, that was really fun because you had this like whole interaction and it just felt very, very hopeful. And then I went to getting your first deals and you're really excited about the first deals. But then, yeah, that time sets in, right? So you get a deal, but there's no payout from that day. So you just kind of, you do the work, you send the work off, and then you do what you do with the fact that you're making art. So you you just jump back into the pool and you're solving a new visual problem. So I always thought it would be seeing the art on the product would be like the next exciting part. And you get the product. And I mean, to be fair, maybe it is really exciting. I don't know. I think it's just that I've moved on by the time I see that product to something else. And so then it became the check comes. And this is when I really got a little bit, I don't say disenchanted, but a little bit, is 
the check would come and it's been a while since I'd made the art. It's been a while since I spent the time and you'd open it up and it would just be this figure that you like I comically I've had things that I think the stamp cost more and or like it was $20 and you kind of always joke you're like oh will I be able to buy groceries or just a coffee or a car I mean I have no idea it's like the the little magic scratch ticket you've no idea what's coming out of that envelope and because of that I had so many points where the expectation just didn't match the reality And so I learned pretty quickly that, and I don't want to say I learned in like a way that I just really understood how to make it better. It's just that it it just, like I said, it almost just didn't seem like there was an appropriate time to feel like you had really hit the jackpot. So I think what really happened is I learned to minimize and regulate my expectations, which is not a bad thing, honestly, because I feel like to build a licensing portfolio, it takes a lot of consistency and just kind of keeping that 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 future direction in mind. And for me, the part that's always been, again, the little hook, the thing that's really fun about it is what's my next theme? What's the hook on that theme? And then the problem is how do I make my style or how do I pick a style that's going to fit for that client and I think that that's been a really cool way oddly for a person who has a lot of financial worries (laughs) to not assign the value to the artwork in a weird way and it's just let me be the person that does the artwork And I started to think this was like really, really strange to me, although I did recently speak to an industry friend of mine who just flat out said, you're going to think I'm crazy, but I have no idea how much I made last year. And I, and I, but I so understood it. I so understood it because I say this a lot, but I don't know. I'd have to really think maybe one or two. I don't think I could tell you a singular project that I did for a client that I would come away and say, oh yeah, that's so worth it. It was so worth it. And again, it has to do with that expectation is that when you get that check and you see what all of that work amounted to, it's it's a little lackluster to be honest. I don't say this to discourage anybody. I just say it to, to sort of be the reality of you can have art that goes out and it ends up just being like maybe $93 or $37. And it's all these little things. And so if you look at them in an isolated, singular way, they're they're not worth it. These are not those glamour stories that you've heard of having your artwork in stores. And so why on earth would anyone do this stuff, right? Like why on earth? How does this even happen? And again, it goes back to that singularity thinking, you have to sort of let that go. Like you have to let the paycheck go. You have to let the individual royalty payments go. And this doesn't mean that you don't examine your contracts and you don't want to get a good deal on those. But the real effort needs to be in the consistency of creating the artwork and creating artwork that is not so singular in its application, which is really at the heart of licensing portfolios. It's the ability of those single collections and those sometimes single images. I haven't had luck with single images, but I have lots of friends that do. But for me, it's more about how do those collections have value on multiple places? Because in 
just coming from my own experience again, if I can sit here and tell you, I don't know that any of those singular things have been worth it. Well, the only way it's going to be worth it is if you have multiples of those adding up. So whether that's, you know, mass market buy-ins from certain retailers, maybe that's uh, the same art appearing on 17 different products from, who knows, six different clients. It's your ability to make your art be very workable and very feasible for a number of different clients to see it and think, yes, that's going to work for me. And one thing that's 100% I think needed when you're building a licensing portfolio is to figure out whether it's little brain hacks for yourself or challenges or whatever it might be. You absolutely have to be self-directed with projects And in many cases, you need to come up with fake deadlines. And I had a friend recently, it was very cute. She was like telling me about all of her greeting card deadlines. And then she had another project deadline. And then she stopped herself and she's like, oh my gosh, I feel so silly because you're actually talking about, you know, real, real deadlines that people are paying you for, which of course made me laugh out loud because I mean, I'm not in any different boat here. I'm, I, I'm making free art all the time, which of course you know is if you if you're coming from any other industry, I'm sorry. It sounds so crazy. It really, really does. But that whole thing on, you know, never do spec work. Well, <laughs> licensing is majority spec work, which all of us have really been told not to do. The difference is we're not we're we're kind of holding on to those copyrights. So Yes, it's free work, but it's free work that's never going to leave my hand, except if it's rented out. But I just thought it was very funny because I'm not sure why her impression was that my projects were, quote, the real projects and her were the the fake projects. But yes, fake projects and fake deadlines, that is how I get things done. That's how I move them forward. It's, um, I think you have to treat them like real projects with real deadlines, because if you don't, most of us aren't great at moving things forward or knowing when they're done. I know I'm horrible at that. I need to have a cutoff 100%. I always say I'm a deadline driven person. And I'm so, so thankful that I do have these deadlines um, most of the time provided for me. And if I don't, I establish very clear places. And for me, those two, if I don't have a quote deadline, twice a year, I spend kind of neatening up projects that are in the studio. If these are things I've started, but I haven't moved forward, twice a year, I'm going to pull all of those forward or as many as I can. Because one, it gives me a reason to get them done. And two, I really do need to have my own self-generated artwork for licensing. Um, you'll, You'll find that you do get a mix. Some will come from specific client requests, but they still want you to bring your perspective and what you see that I'm not going to say trending because that's a little bit broad. Um, what you see of interest to you and your art style, people still want to see that. Without the prompt, without the call, without the color palette, you still need to have a fresh take that no one's really asking for. That it's like I guess they are. They're asking for you to come up with something that they haven't told you what to do. That's still going to be part of your mix. But because I can't just do that, I have to create these quote, fake deadlines. And I think that where artists have a little bit of trouble is how do you start the process if you don't already have regular work coming in? 
what I found really helpful was since I was learning how to do pattern, I loved that Spoonflower had these weekly challenges because it set me up with a theme, it set me up with a date to have it done by, and it set me up with a place to sort of show what I did because yes, I am that person that likes to, I don't know, I like to show off when I'm done. Like I just, it's, you need the pat on the head, right? I wish I wasn't that way, but I do. I just, I need to have that kind of acknowledgement that I finished something. So it was great and you got to post it somewhere. And I think that there's so many different places that this can actually occur. There's some great artists that are doing monthly challenges where they're coming up with a theme list. And sometimes companies, I I really like if they have a call for art listed. Submission calendars are amazing things. So I think there is a way to create sort of your fake deadlines. Um, and like I said, so we've got art challenges, a variety of them. Sometimes you actually can sign up for someone's I'm going to say course, really, because it's kind of like not that, but it's everyone's working on a particular set of themes for specific dates with prompts. I think those are really, really great. But the thing I particularly like more is if you can search out where you're trying to get your art to fit and look for these submission calendars. And if you don't have one, starting to create your own submission calendar by these conversations that you're hopefully having by doing submissions, oftentimes manufacturers will start to tell you what they're looking for and when. And so without too much, you start to fill in your calendar of what you should be working on next, which is a really, really helpful thing to keep you moving forward and keep you adding things to your portfolio. Because again, if we go back to this idea of no singular project being worth it, the whole idea is to build your larger portfolio. I cannot tell you how many times someone has looked at me like I am just so crazy for spending the time I might spend on a single greeting card or a single flag or a single of any kind. And the reality is I'm, I'm not, I'm not spending any of that time for a single greeting card because I'm gonna hold that single greeting card and then I'm gonna add three more to it. And now I have a fuller collection and that artwork will now no longer appear on just one greeting card. It has the potential to carry over to multiple products because I'm thinking about that when I'm making things. I'm thinking about the idea that it, can't just serve one client's purpose. If I think about how to solve that client's purpose and leave it at that, then that's where that art is going to stay. And if you think about building your portfolio a little bit like building a ship, each of those singular ingredients or singular pieces and parts aren't really going to get you that far. But as they start to come together, that's where you really get distance. And the cool thing is that hopefully you can actually answer specific needs while you're answering a larger potential opportunity. And that's sort of been how I have managed my portfolio and kept it growing and kept it moving forward is that no one is actually looking for the three other greeting cards from me or the three other designs. They have a very specific need going in. That's my hook. So I start with that and then I broaden out the other possibilities that would, I know, be needed for a different manufacturer. So that's kind of the challenge is how do you 
keep yourself moving forward, building these portfolios without the deadline and also sometimes without the paycheck and still keeping it fun and fresh and you're motivated and it's a great time to get others' perspectives out there. So if you are somebody that's working with an agent, they are always a really good sounding board when you get to those sort of lull moments of like, I just don't know what to do. But I think speaking to other friends, specifically those who are in licensing and surface design, they're gonna probably be able to pull something very quickly for you that's just a little nugget of what to do and then get you started again. One thing I know with my licensing portfolio that's been a bit of a challenge and it's been reminding me more and more of when I was starting is that I'm in a particular place where I have more on my plate than I've had previously. So I'm in that same boat of the work that I'm putting in. So the input is just so drastically out of balance with what's coming in. And this is when I reach down and get my like inner licensing Pollyanna. That's like, it's gonna be great, it's gonna be good, it's gonna be coming. And you know what's funny is it's actually not gonna be coming for a while. Like I still have to wait those, you know, 18 to 24 months till I feel that the work I've been putting in is worth what's coming out. And it's a little bit, where I feel very, very grateful, but I, I don't look at things per project. I don't look at things per collection even. I look at things at the end of the year and I kind of ask myself, you know, this, this year, what I've been putting in, what I've been able to do, the freedom I've had here, maybe it's been a little bit tighter there. Was that worth what came out of it at the end? And I've been really fortunate every year to say yes to that. And so you keep going and you keep building. But I don't know that you actually get to a point where it's comfortable. I don't think business is comfortable. I don't think growth is comfortable. And I think especially as you're building those things, it's just not comfortable because the second you get your footing, something's going to shift with it. And licensing just this makes that little... I don't know, it kind of lengthens that process just that little bit more. So how do you get motivated to craft these portfolios that will always need to be added to? How do you come up with the way that makes it fun and interesting for you that keeps you motivated and engaged? I guess for me, I'm always really kind of going back to that idea of what is the visual challenge? Like, What is that visual problem that I'm trying to fix or fill or, or even solve? Because I feel like my productivity just always needs a purpose to it. And I realize this is a little bit different than the way that other people create. But regardless, if you're a person that's creating out of your own inspirations or um, self-expression, or if you're a person like me who really likes to know kind of what I'm aiming at as I go down, I do believe that your that creative flow kind of ebbs and flows with people. So at some point, it's really helpful to think about the, the challenge or the problem. And if that's self-generated, that's enough of a thing. 
most often as you start to put things out, because we all do, we start this process with having no idea what the needs are. So you create your own needs and start putting those out there. And what I've always found is it's a nice balance of manufacturer needs versus the ones that I'm seeing to fill. And that tends to keep things moving pretty decently as I'm going to build portfolios. One thing that's for sure is that there are these common themes and needs that are reoccurring. They happen every year. And there's really, I don't know if there's that much time in the day. So you're always going to need those florals. You're always going to need holiday. For me, I do probably, I do a lot of fall holiday, but then I'm going to need to do a Halloween or a St. Patrick's Day or a Valentine's Day or an Easter. And some of these themes I'm not doing every year, but I will need to refresh it after another year or two. Or if you're a person that loves multiple styles, what a perfect opportunity. You've done a traditional version one year and maybe you want to do a more whimsical the next time. There is these ways to keep it super fresh, super interesting. And Again, if you look at those licensing calendars that you've sort of established in the past, track those, track those because you'll be really excited in the beginning and everything feels like a new thing to hit at. And so it's really, really fun and engaging. Just start to track what those themes are and the times of the year that you're doing them. Because what will happen is after the, after that newness wears off, you'll have an established needs calendar that you can then follow along with and always have a new target to hit at. Now, by no means does this take away our need to be paid well for our work. And I totally understand that 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 idea of waiting that 18 to 24 months is, it's painful sometimes. It really, really is. And it can take a while to get that full income wheel rolling. You kind of just add, you add, you add, and then it will eventually hit that top panel. But For all of us, whether you've been doing this for a year, whether you've been doing this for five years, whether you've been doing it 10 and beyond, you're still going to get those small checks. So if you're seeing these checks for a few dollars here and there, there's nothing you're doing wrong with that. It just means you have to get more of those feelers out there because small checks do add up. That's one. And two, you do have the clients. They're going to be the larger checks, the larger ones that come in. And then the collective is really where that starts to make sense. So licensing at the end of the day is always going to be a numbers game. You wanna have a lot of art kind of up in the air and you wanna have a lot of people looking at that art. So hopefully you have a lot of contracts going out. There's no singular contract that's gonna make your entire year. It might help, but it's not gonna be the all or none philosophy. I'm a big person that believes in baby steps adding up. And I think that's where every image you make for your portfolio, every new collection that you add, it's really just building to this pile and that pile will then start to generate revenue for you. And so that's when the income in your sleep comes in, right? You have the new collections that go out and maybe there's some excitement, but then you'll have requests that come in that you don't even have to touch. You pull that piece of art from three years ago, from four years ago, from five years ago, you pull the one that you think that it's not even worth anything. And when someone licenses that, I don't know, I feel like I get more excited about those than I do the new ones because it's almost like a win. Like you just, you got this this quick, fast win that didn't require you to create anything new, which kind of, again, it separates me from my income piece and lets me just create as I'm creating. And I feel like for some reason that just feels like 
it takes a lot of the pressure off when I've learned to really separate the dollar for time. And it's a very different way than I think a lot of industry is structured. So licensing, oh man, it's, it's a funny little industry. It really is. But I do love it. And I think in some ways, it's a little bit of a gift because if I had to stress every time I was making something and wondering when that check was going to arrive, you know, I it's not that I haven't been disappointed. I've been disappointed a ton of times and I've been equally surprised. But all of those things I've just learned, it, it none of it has to do with why I'm making the art. I love making the art because I love solving the problem. And what a nice thing for me to find an industry that forces me to separate the two so that I'm not always equating my art worth with the financial worth. I'm so glad you were able to join for today's chat. If you have a friend that you think would also enjoy some industry chatter and conversations about surface design, art licensing, as well as hearing from other creative business owners, please share this with them. At the end of the day, creativity, it takes community. I'm Nicole Tamron, and I look forward to reconnecting with you soon.